Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I'm your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. So as you've noticed with the last couple of shows, we've kind of changed the beginning of the show where we just make it a little more conversational. And today we're joined by my great friend, Lena Mendoza, who is just an outstanding woman and she does so many wonderful things. I'm not going to list them all. I'm going to let her talk a little bit about it. But Lena and I were having a conversation before the show started and before we started recording. And it was just awesome just to be able to sit down and talk to her. We met a few years back while I was still working in the insurance industry. And she was brought to me because the company had diversity initiative and they were trying to get more women of color, Latina women specifically. And so they brought her to the only other person of color that worked at the place. And so that's how we met. And here we are now still connected and she's doing some awesome things. So I'm going to let her, Lena, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Emma? thank you so much. So I'm Lena Mendoza. Yo soy Lena Mendoza. Yo nació en Bangkok, Thailand. Yo soy mexicana en chinita. So in English, that means I was born in Bangkok, Thailand. I'm Asian and Mexican. So Thai laws and Mexican specifically, I say it because when people look at me, they say, you look, you look Asian. And I'm like, I am. I go, you speak Spanish. I'm like, I am. I am Hispanic. I'm Latina. Mm-hmm. And so definitely love the diversity in the background. I think sometimes as kids, we're not necessarily encouraged to embrace our culture, right? And so for me, it's always been kind of that challenge as, as a young kid. But as I got older, I'm like, no, we do tortillas and egg rolls, like all good. <laughs> so mm-hmm. It's a good thing. And I think it definitely brings a different perspective, definitely different flavor. And then just, you know, that kindness, right? I think it's super important just to just be kind to others. So that's awesome. And I love that you talked about, you know, embracing both sides of the culture. Like my kids are half black and half Mexican. Okay. And they are half black and half Mexican. They need to be just as much Mexican as they are black. And they need to embrace that culture and love it. And representation is very important. We were talking about this before. And so the other day, I just wanted to share this story. So the other day, my son and I were watching, well, actually we were all watching it. So we were sitting down as my son and my daughter, and we were watching Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Never seen it before. And my son just loves this movie. It's like his favorite movie. We watch a lot of stuff. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because representation is so important. So the main character in To the Spider-Verse is a little kid named Miles. Now, this is the first time that I've ever seen a half black and half Latino kid, because I don't know, you know, half black and half Latino kid on TV as a main character for a show. And the funny thing is that when my son seen that, we're watching the cartoon and the kid's mom, Miles's mom is speaking to him in Spanish and Miles's dad is black. And my son says, that's Emlyn. His name's Emlyn. He said, that's Emlyn. He looks at the TV and he says, that's me. I've never seen him. We've watched Jurassic Park. We've watched Trolls. We've watched, you know, he likes all kinds of movies. And I've never seen him identify with one of the characters like that. He didn't even, and this is how powerful it is. Even when he watched Black Panther, he didn't say that was him. Because mm-hmm. Black Panther wasn't speaking Spanish. And as proud as I was of that movie, it didn't really fully identify with him. And I think this is why representation is powerful and people need to see 
someone that they can identify with in a position of power. And I am excited to have you on the show so we can talk about a little bit of the inspired action that you give to people, like you, you push people. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you said something about, you know, tell us about who you are, but what do you do? Which is so intriguing to me. So talk a little bit about some of the work you do. Absolutely. So I founded an organization called Intentional Leadership, and it's really focused on helping people of color advance in two different roles, which is either entrepreneurship, right? Secure the bag as an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. as you say, and then also an executive leader. As we find that people of color don't have the same resources as our white counterparts do, or maybe not to talk the same communication, may not have the same vernacular, right? And so what are the tips and tools and techniques needed to be successful in those corporate arenas, but also just creating your own lane and so to speak, and then being very confident about creating that lane. So either you're going to be an entrepreneur or an executive, but learning that vernacular, learning the business systems required, and then also just making sure that you still stay true to who you are. And I think that's one of the most difficult things is, is when we enter an arena with the parameters that are there, right? We don't know what those political landscape looks like. You know, who are we creating allies? And, you know, we're just very unfamiliar with that landscape. And, you know, that's what I love to teach. And really gaining that confidence, right? And so what I also find is a huge statistic is that people of color don't advance into management or senior management and most definitely not into CEO role. And so my goal is to get as many people to the top that are people of color as we can, especially as women. And so there's, I mean, they've seen people not want to advance maybe 10 years of experience of like trauma, you know, well, someone else got the position or, you know, they're hiring all the cousins. And so really providing that introspect, encouraging the introspect and the reflection required for them to move forward. So for me, when I say inspired action, is really it comes from within because managers tell you what to do, right? Leaders inspire action. True leaders are like, I want to do it because Emma's my friend. And so I think that's super powerful, right? And so we want to become better at you know, managing your money, right? So that it says in the Bible, how to earn it, save it, grow it, and then to tie it, to give to back to the community. And I believe those four pillars are very, very important as leaders for that financial acumen. And a lot of people don't know that. They're like, well, I have a bad FICA score. I'm like, as a leader, the financial realm has to be very intact because that's part of your character. It's also part of your DNA. And I think that part is not often discussed as well, right? Because if you're advancing into high levels of leadership, but you don't have your money right, decent in order, then definitely that can hinder you from growth in that level of abundance that that is necessary. Absolutely. You're 5,000% right. Like you have to have all legs of the house working well. You know, family needs to be taken care of. Finances need to be taken care of. Need to be taking care of your health. And, you know, education is probably just as important. So you'd have four legs on that chair. Not that we don't, you know, I think that's the topics that we discuss on this show. Family, fitness, finance, (laughs) you know, education. So I really like, and this is why I think that having you on the show was we had to do this because I think that what you're trying to do. We need to get more people out to understand this. And this is for Hispanic Heritage Month because I was saying, you know what, we need to get some powerful Latinos and Latinas on the show to let them share what's going on in their respective community and how we're all supposed to be working together to make this world a better place for all of us. And so I'm really appreciative of the work that you're doing. And so I wanted to talk about some of the things specifically that you were doing. So What do you feel the importance of character and communication? Why is character communication and connection so important in your opinion? 
So how that started at Three Prong Approach is what I worked as a professor at Fresno City College and I studied why millennials were not getting hired. And so anytime I, I start working with a group, I look at your opposition because that's also your pain point. And that's a pain point for millennials, right? It's like that entitlement mentality. They're lazy. They do what they want. They want to be happy. And so I'm not sure why that is seen as a negative. And so what I did was I studied why they were not hired, right? Why they were fired. And there was a correlation there. And so it's really actually a correlation all the way across the board for all generations. And so who are you, right? In character, it's what, who you are that gets you hired, what you do gets you fired. How well do you connect? And so really the term we use in the corporate sector or in the workplace marketplace is collaborative, right? So how do you connect with people? So as a leader, you can inspire action, but you know, do you know that Emlyn has a baby boy, right? That's important, right? Connecting. And then also being able to communicate. And so we are often struggling in the area of effective communication. It's typically one of the top reasons why people get fired. And so it's also the reason why you get hired. So if you stay focused on those three areas, you will always excel in your career and also in your personal life. So I tell my college students, and it works all the way across the board for all professionals, this will help you get hired. It'll also keep you married if you choose to be married. And so, and that, right? So I go say that the next time you go out on, you know, you meet somebody like just say, I'm a good person of character. I communicate effectively. And then I connect on an intimate level and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I want to go on a second date. But really honestly focusing around that as a leader will strengthen your ability to advance and really being able to have a different perspective. And so when students were late, they're like, I'm so sorry I'm late. And I'm like, you're fine. Like, so I would encourage them before call Emlyn, you know, let him know you're on your way. I'm teaching. And so gain that content that is necessary. And when you arrive, just slide right on in. And so I think that we're shamed as um, people of color, right? We're kind of like, oh, you know, we're late because this is the time we arrive, but we're shamed for that. And I, a lot of things I could see that with college students is that, you know, Miss Mendoza, you know, I'm low income. Oh my gosh. I felt like someone stabbed me in my heart when I hear that. And I really highly encourage people, especially people who are educated, please do not use that term. So it's definitely like people that come from different demographics, but I share it because it's so important to build people up. It's a current situation, but it's not a forever situation, right? In order to build generational wealth, you definitely have to shift from that mindset. So I believe that three-pronged approach will always help you. It's just definitely kind of condensed in those three C's, but I branch off from that in everything that I teach and it really helps people move to the next level. Like character is never talked about. Like it's one of those things that, you know, it's not it's never talked about unless something goes wrong. And then communication, like I did this class last year on communication and how to communicate effectively. And I'm really not, you know, truth be told, like we're not good at it. I'm not good at it. I thought I was great. And then I started reading the book and I was like, I'm not that good, you know, but it was something that really you have to work at it. And you have to get used to unpacking things and then doing some self-introspection about how you feel and why you feel that way. And then how that comes up in the things that you communicate. And with our time that we have now where people text, you can't tell tone or anything in a text. You know what I mean? And so you're left to formulate your idea of what someone is trying to communicate in a text message that's only so many words long, you know, and that. I think can hinder professional growth. It can hinder, you know, relationship growth. It can hinder, I think, your social growth. And so dealing with those and then connecting, like that's so powerful to like, I've always noticed when someone knows that you have kids, you know, like we talked about your son, like you talked about my son. That is something like you want to change the way that a meeting goes. You're getting ready to go on an interview with someone, say, hey, you know what? 
not necessarily, you know, say something about their kids. How's the family? Oh, wow. You know, and ask a follow-up question. One more question. This just don't say, how's the family? How's the family? And then like, oh, so have you and your, you know, if they're married or have a relationship, did you and your, you know, significant undergo, you know, you guys do anything this weekend? Oh yeah, we did. Totally changes the whole meeting by being personal. Absolutely. That's awesome. You have a track record of helping others reach their full potential. What have you noticed as some of the biggest barriers from people reaching their full potential? They stay stuck because they get in their own way. And so typically two things that the main reasons why people come to me, which is ironic because people think it's different things like leadership is my core value that I teach most definitely, but it's confidence. And at every level, no matter how high you are in position in your career, it's always confidence because it's necessary to shift for that level of leadership. And it's also how to price myself. Like, how do I value myself? And there's a strong correlation to both areas, right? And so if you're confident, you have high self-worth, right? And so you know, like, this is what I bring to the table. I am the table, right? And knowing that, not like, I'm not sure what I know how to do. I'm not sure, right? Like how I should, you know, fight for my or negotiate my salary and compensation. When you know how good you are, you have no problem like, yeah. securing the back. Right. And so I think it's so important that, and I think definitely as people of color, we're not taught that, right? So here's a tool that I use or kind of a technique I share is because we want to give, right? And I say, I go, that's humble of you, right? So you can be humble in character. It was that word character. And you leave that at home. But when you come into the marketplace, you leave that behind. And so there's no politeness, like, please, good morning. Thank you, Emlyn. That is your character to be polite. However, you don't do that to navigate through. You let them know who's the boss and have that commanding presence and say, this is what I want. And this is when I want it. And that's it. Because business, that's all it is. There's no fluff. There's clear and concise. That's definitely kind of that corporate arena, right? And so people of color, we're used to being communal, right? Hey, Emily, good morning. How are you? Would you like a cup of coffee? If you're Latino, right? Or if you like pan dulce, you're going to share pan dulce or donuts, food, burritos, right? That kind of stuff. And so I share that because in the corporate sector, it's not that, right? In the marketplace, it's very, this is what I want. And this is when I want it. And we feel like it's rude. And I teach that very consistently. And they're like, and that's it. I'm like, and that's it. That's all you got. And then they go, what do you say? I go, and you take that check or contract and say, peace out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you walk away. And they're like, and then what? I'm like, and then I get another one. Yeah. <laughs> so really teaching that format. It's because they're like, well, I want, you know, I want to say thank you. I want to, and women, here's an example. I know women of color, we walk in a conference room and we're like, excuse me, are you sitting there? And it's like, no, you don't ask that. You sit down and you let them know like who you are, like your presence should be very powerful. Like you should not have to even speak. And women don't know that. They're like, well, I don't want to be rude. I'm like, it's not rude. It's like, you let them know who's boss before you get there and before you speak. It's funny that you're saying that. And I think that this is, I want you to touch on this. It wasn't one of the questions, but I want you to touch on that as how women have to overcome that. How I think women of color have to overcome that times too, you know, because we as people of color, we're kind of like, I'm just happy to get my ticket punched. Like, you know, you graduate college, you work your ass off, you go to school, you finally graduate. Now you're getting your first real job. You know, you're going to have benefits, retirement, all this stuff. And you're just excited to get there. It doesn't even cross your mind that you should get asked for more money, let alone ask for a raise, let alone ask for a better position because they're offering you something that's under the qualifications that you had when you came to the table. And so how are you talking through those types of things that people have to overcome? Because I think, as you stated, women 
may have a little hesitation to kind of go in and say, okay, well, I should ask for more money or I should ask for a better position or not knowing their worth. So how would you go through that? For our black and brown community, it's very consistent. So it's heartbreaking to me in hearing black females, you know, my counterpart saying, I've been in several calls and they, it's, I'm usually one or two of the Latinas that are in the room and they say, there's no jobs for us to promote to. And I say, may I interject, please? And I like scared in my heart because I'm like, I'm not from this community. I'm about to get blasted. They're like, who invited Latina, Chinita, whatever the heck she is. And I say, in my observation, you know, I've had a lot of Hispanic, Black and Brown communities, and they say they don't want to promote because of the drama, right? And so the people aspect of like people, they know the intricacies of those relationships, right? Who's sleeping with who? Drama, catfighting, or just like people not getting along. So they focus on that very small part of that promotion. I'm like, you're not willing to take a $50,000 raise because you're focused on this like micro part of your job. That is not good. Like we have to think big picture, know your power and authority, know your leadership capacity, and have faith and confidence in who you are and what you bring to the table. You know, if you know your leadership, you can navigate through that. Latina is the same. So I've heard it in both. Again, black and brown community, I have to earn that. I'm like, earn that? It's COVID-19. You need to secure that. <laughs> like, and they're like, because what? I'm like, because it's COVID-19. Tell them, like, I need a raise. And they're like, well, I should do a little bit more work. I'm like, no, why are you working double the amount? They would never tell a CEO that. Mm-hmm. And we're not candid with ourselves and honest. And so both male and female people of color are working twice the amount in COVID-19. Why? Fear of losing their job. Fear of losing contracts, right? Or, you know, what if next month is not as secure? In that fear, instead of rather than looking at the abundance and not having to think of, I have to work twice the amount, is really being confident of what you're doing and being strategic about it. And I think definitely some of those things kind of manifest for us that maybe have been there before, which are, right, the struggle is real. Mm-hmm. Like you have to get away from that, that you really have to go towards the blessing is real. Mm-hmm. And so I see that quite often. So that's why when, when you ask me, what do I see where people typically come to, it's usually that confidence shift, right? And then those, what I call generational curses. And so even friends of mine who are African-American females and they're like, girl, you know, we know what they're going to say. We better go hard. And I'm like, yes, we have to go hard between 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Like not till nine. They never tell our white counterparts work till nine o'clock. They're like, no, get off at three so you can eat your golfing buddies or get off at two, right? So you can have that late brunch or late lunch with a colleague. And it's just like, oh my gosh, you're right. And I said, yeah, don't spread that rumor. I said, I had to learn that myself. And that is not something we should encourage or expect from our female counterparts that we should definitely inspire and say, nope, you work hard during a specific time, but not twice the amount because they're not paying you twice the amount. So it's unacceptable. Working twice as hard, getting paid less. You know, you've heard that we got to work twice as hard to get paid half as much. And that type of rhetoric is not good. Now, we just had Black Women's Equal Pay Day, which was August 13th. Latina Equal Pay Day is November 20th. Now, for people that may not know what that means, one, Google it, you need to know what that is, okay? But August 13th was Black Women's Equal Pay Day. So that means that for a Black woman to make the same pay as a white man in the same position, she has to work all the way until August 13th to make the same money that he's making with the same credentials and everything. For Latinas, that number is November 20th. This is absolutely ridiculous. So I'm saying that to say that, listen to what Lena is saying, listen to 
what I'm saying. Listen to people that are going to encourage you to be able to have that professional confidence. There's something that comes about when you have a professional confidence. And one of my colleagues actually said she noticed that in something that she said, I've talked to you, Emlyn, I've seen a professional confidence come about you here recently. And I'm saying that it wasn't like this magical moment that happened. It was something that just clicked. And I said, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. And like, if you don't want to pay what I'm charging to get this done for you, that's okay. Because you don't have to. But I know I'm not going to charge any less than what I'm charging for what I do, because I am very good at what I do. And it wasn't cocky. It wasn't conceited. It wasn't arrogant. It wasn't anything. It was a professional confidence. And to the listeners that are listening today, if you're a woman of color, or just woman in general, we need you to have that professional confidence in what you do. You shouldn't have to work twice as hard to get paid half as much. You should be able to do everything that you need to do within the time allotted and be paid for your time. So I just wanted to get that out there just because I was like, this is like, I just can't. And we also have the 19th Amendment today, 20 years since the 19th Amendment which I have my own thoughts on that. We won't get into that too much, but yeah, Lena, I love this. This is really, really good. Is there anything else, you know, any other barriers that people have that you've seen from them stepping into their full potential? Definitely kind of leans more towards type A perfectionists where they're like, I have to do A before I do B, right? And so I say, well, you can do C before you do A and B. It's really just kind of making sure you have that inspired action, just moving forward. And really creating that synergistic relationship with others, right? So being collaborative and making sure that you're connecting with other people so that other people can help you plummet forward. But honestly, it's just, it's that fear, right? And like, can I do this? And it's, they just get stuck. And so I, I call it a stronghold. And so they just can't, this is how it is. And I'm like, no. So I had a client just go through a boot camp, and then I asked her in the end. And it's just so simple, right? And so my track record is very consistent. I double people's salary or profit margins, right? And so it depends on what they're doing. And she goes, you know what I really want? I want my own television show. Oh, well, then you should talk to such and such. I'm like, she goes, oh yeah, huh? You know, it's a mutual friend of ours. And we have another mutual friend. And so she happened to post something about God and how her show is going so well. I said, if you're worried about money, right? So money is the barrier, right? I ain't got no money, girl. <laughs> so mm-hmm. right. So like, right, the economic growth, the economic opportunity, right? And so I say, if it costs money, let's say it's $100, I said, someone can sponsor. If it's $1,000, someone can sponsor. It does not have to come from your own pocket. Leverage your resources. So a term that I say consistently is leverage who you know with what you know. You don't have to be a millionaire. You need access to at least five millionaires, right? Or have a contact list of people that can help you secure the bag. And they'll be more than happy to invest in you. I go, that's all you want. She goes, that's really what I want is my own show. And I said, okay, then I have to do it. And then she did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So she's thinking like there's money and money is a huge like barrier for people. I'm sure you know this, but it's very important that people understand that it is not good, right? And it's consistent. And you want to hear from different people because I see it all the time, right? Just a simple thing of why she couldn't have a show. It probably costs money. Okay. And like, It doesn't mean it's coming from your pocket. And if it does come from your pocket, then do something to make sure you can afford that, right? And get a contract, get a $10,000 contract. And let's say it's, you know, maybe it's $12,000 a year. Secure a $12,000 contract, boom, fees are covered, right? But we think like, it's going to cost money, boom, stop. And it's not what I would recommend. And definitely 
getting out of those strongholds, breaking those generational curses, understanding the value you bring to the table. And so when people ask you, like, what do you bring to the table? You're like, I am the table. Like, you have to know, like, bring your A game. And definitely fear can be there, but switching that to courage, like, that means you do it anyways. Courage is fear and doing it anyways. And yeah, and they go, are you scared? I said all the time. I said, but who cares? Like, that fear doesn't pay my bills, right? And so making sure I show up and show out. Oftentimes in my calls are typically all Caucasian counterparts. They waiting for me to say something, but I let them, they know. And I kind of joke, oh, you know, I'd love to, I probably want to, I would want to work for you. I don't know. And so I just kind of make it in like a joke. And then I summate what they said in a very high intellectual capacity. And they're like, oh, you're very smart. I'm like, oh no, y'all know. You're going to know. <laughs> like, you're going to know that your swagger, I call it your swagger. What's your swagger? What's your get down? So I say that, you know, some people are like, you say that in corporate America. I'm like, I do. And I need to know your get down. I need to know we vibe together and I need to know you're legit. And I think it's important to be yourself. And, you know, some people say, well, I want that kind of commanding presence. Some people are more quiet. Their power is more peaceful. It depends. It's whatever your personality leads to, right? And so be very confident about that. And so they go, you're loud and you, the way you speak. And it's like, because I listen very intently and I make sure they're in the room. They know every single word that I say is going to count. And so I've had to learn that. And I'm so like, okay, so you said, like people said you're loud or the professional confidence that you're coming across with, or the way that you are able to articulate the intelligence of which you understood someone's conversation and able to summarize it back to them very articulately. And someone says, oh my gosh, you're so smart. I will lose my shit. Okay. I'm telling you, like, I can't, I just can't because what do they expect from an educated person? Right. The compliments that you're getting aren't the same compliments that they would give to white people. So why are they giving them to you? That makes me mad. So I love right. what you're doing. And that makes so much sense. And I'll add something to the, I am the table. We don't just want to sit at the table. I'm here to eat and I'm here to get full. You know what I mean? I'm not just here to come. I'm not just here to sit at the table and chat. I'm ready to eat because you guys been eating at this table. Make some room for me. Don't be too close. Let me get my elbow room. I'm about to eat. Right. And so that's where I would say that the people of color have to come. Like Latinas and Blacks and other people of color, we have our Native Americans, we have Indians. There's some Asian groups that I think, like all of us need to be eating. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And, and so I love you saying that you got to have your swag and you got to have that because it's who we are, like as a people. If you look at TV and you watch things, the whole like hip hop culture or urban, if you want to call it, mm-hmm. It's out there. People understand that. But when you get it and bring it into corporate America, it's well overdue. Okay. Right. It's well overdue. And we all have our colloquial languages that we speak amongst our friends. <laughs> but I think that it's going to become more socially acceptable, corporately acceptable, once you have more of people of color in positions of power. When I say I got to secure the bag and the CEO of the company, puts out his tweet and he's saying secure the bag. Now we're aligned. There's no disconnect, you know? And I think that what we're going to see through the work you're doing is more CEOs of color, more women, more understanding, more advancement for people of color. And that is very important. Absolutely. So you started doing all this and I had this thought in my head. I was like, what was your moment? When did you come into your professional confidence? When did you say, you know what? Enough's enough. What was your aha moment? Because I know there's 
going to be people listening to this and they're like, okay, Lena, okay, Emlyn, I hear what you're saying, but how do I know when it's my time? How did you know when it was like time? I would say when I worked for like a state department um, back in the Central Valley and I actually wanted to do my doctorates. And so this is where I pivoted and definitely on the wealth part, right? And how you grow financially, mentally, spiritually. And I had this picture of Fresno State doctorate emblem. This is class of 2020, so several years ago. And it was Fresno State and then UC Berkeley to do the doctorates, right? And so I really hadn't even looked. I just, oh, I think Berkeley's like prestigious. And I knew that they had, a, I think, a program, but I hadn't actually looked at all the modules and so forth. And so somebody who had high school diploma, um, who was a very good friend of mine, was like, oh my God, you, you, you're Cuyahona, like you're all over the street. I don't even know how you could finish a doctorate. It's like, you're not even focused. And I'm thinking like, you didn't know I did the other four degrees with a baby right? mm. <laughs> like through drama. So I'm thinking like, this should be cake. Yeah. I've never got none of that. So, and I had the cash. Right. <laughs> it's like, girl, like this is like a walk in the park. And I was like, dang. And so something that I was just, it's just like a piece of paper. I put it up there. And I remember talking to, her name is Dr. Latoya Young. And she's African-American and she was one of my mentors. And I said, I, you know, I really want to do this doctors, but I don't want to be overqualified. And she said, oh, honey, you can't be over overqualified. She goes, that's not in the English language. You've been overqualified for a very long time, probably when you're around 25. I was like, what? I was like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I was like, peace out. <laughs> so, and then the, when you get that fire, like I love seeing that fire in people. When people know, like, I know who I am, it, be unapologetic about that. That's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And everything aligns and shifts for you. That is the most important thing you have to know about yourself. It is just like, be unapologetic. People will get offended. Who cares? They don't pay your bills, right? People will get jealous. Who cares? They'll catch up at some point. And some of those people actually compliment you later, right? We don't wait around for that. But I loved how she said that because she was like, you can't be over, over. And I say that story from time to time. And that made a huge shift for me, right? And so here's the financial aspect of it. And I remember she lives in Vallejo. She also has a home in Madeira. Because I was like, do you live in Madeira? Or I don't understand how you come and stay in two places. She said, oh, honey, I have two houses. I live in them both, right? Because I was like, is it a rental? How does that work, right? And she goes, and I travel all over the world. And I was like, I'm with that. I was like, okay. So she goes, yeah, this is how we roll. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm with that, we're rolling. So a lot of those educational leaders, right? So we are taught like educational leaders don't necessarily make money. It's a very humble job. Here goes the word humble. No, they had five properties on average per person. They have very, you know, great investments and they share those investments. They're like, is that your fifth rental or your second rental? Which rental is? I'm like, dang. And it really shifted things. So I always love teaching other educators. It is not true that you, you're going to have a humble living. You might be humble in your background before, but you will secure the bag. And I say, like, what do you mean? I'm like, your portfolio, real estate portfolio, your investments, whatever that might be for you can increase. It's just what you do with what you have. So it doesn't matter how much you have. It's what you do with what you have to make it grow. And that, that is actually in the Bible. So it's under the parable of talents, right? And so God gives you these gifts and your job is to manifest it. And typically he, what doubles everything. That's exactly what he did. And so I love sharing that, but that was where I really gained more of my confidence when Dr. Young shared that. And she was like, you've been over overqualified for a long time. And I'm like, cool, let's go. I love it. I love it. And it takes that sometimes that representation, right? You have to see someone where you wanted to be. And she happened to be a woman and she was from Madeira. She had a house in Madeira. I'm telling you, Madeira is the thriving metropolis. Just in case you don't know, look it up. Part of California, we pumping the lifeblood through this whole state. Anyways, 
just had to give my little city a plug. Yeah. But that is awesome because it is exactly what we're talking about. Like sometimes you get to these, when you're going to level up, sometimes you need someone to help you level up and be like, hey, what do you mean? Like, yeah, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Come on over here. The water's fine. All of us can win. Yeah. And it takes time for that. I love that. So what's the significance of extending gratitude? Talk to us about that. Well, I think we, you know, with the day-to-day in the hustle that goes on, I think we tend to forget the, it's not little things, it's all things, right? And so sometimes people say, oh, it's the little things that count. But I, I think these are, there might be fractional, but I don't, I sometimes don't necessarily agree with the word small. Grateful for the cup of coffee, grateful for gas in your car. I remember in the 2008 economic downturn, for the longest time, you know, back in Central Valley, I was so grateful because I could barely, I had to go to church because I needed my faith to hook me up. So mm-hmm. how was it going to make it for the week? I was like, if I don't go to church, I might go to jail. So I go to church. <laughs> I might be bankrupt. So I need church. And I lived 20, 25 minutes away. And so definitely people were, would take time off like from work because they didn't have enough gas money. And coming to find that out, I don't think people remember some of those times, right? It was definitely 12 some years ago. But I'm grateful for my gas. I'm grateful for a car that runs. I'm grateful for the connections. I'm grateful for the people who pray for me. Because these are all the underlying things that happen that are not necessarily viewed every day but they're there. My grandmother, who's going to be 98, who's prayed for us for for many, many years. Definitely, I know angels are always sent ahead for us. And so I just think we don't always see that. So gratitude for me is always important to remember you're extended this mercy and grace to get to that level, right? And so when I work with my clients, it's always, I'm grateful because I get to be part of that process of breaking generational curses for them to secure the bag. And it's like, they couldn't touch almost like kind of visually at the money bag. And it's because they can't think bigger, right? So for me, being able to be part of that process, it's huge. And, you know, I always think about if they have little children, I think about their children going, did you help my dad? And I'm like, oh, no, I helped your dad. So, mm-hmm. it's like, and so being grateful that if we worked on things for their children, like it's for their kids. I think that for me, it's a bigger responsibility as I think about it as a leader, you know, grateful for my own growth, you know, and expectations for myself. And then definitely grateful even for those challenges, right? Because that's when things will shift, right? You take the F out and that's a different word, right? Shift happens mm-hmm. and it's powerful. And we look at it as a downfall, but honestly, it's actually what plummets you forward. What's pulling you back is actually pushing you forward, but it feels like you're sinking. And it's like, don't think of the concrete on your feet. It's actually shackles being broken. And we don't know that. Yeah, very powerful. That is all. I love it. I love it. And the gratitude is just so powerful. Like it just changes. It really puts things in perspective when you're grateful for everything, not just the big things or differentiating between big and small. Everything that we have is a gift and you should be grateful for it. Absolutely. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And this month we are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. So what does Hispanic Heritage mean to you? You know, Hispanic Heritage Month for me is just showing up making our community aware of what is happening, right? And so I would, you know, also during COVID-19, sharing that our Black and Brown community together, we are the ones at the front lines. We are the essential workers. We are the ones who are dying the fastest. And so, right, we also don't have that necessarily those resources that would be able to help us heal. And, you know, Latinos, I can say definitely, we have a lot of people who live in our homes. And so there's more opportunity for us to get sick. And so really raising that awareness around our community that these are legitimate concerns. We want to advance our community. We, you know, also it's good to be traditional, right? And so keeping those traditional values, 
I know definitely some people kind of go back and forth between Latinos, Chicanos, Latinx. And so I just really honoring each other, right? And just like, hey, I, I honor you as a Latina or hey, I honor you as a Latinx and how you want to be identified. Some people are mixed. And so really, you know, Afro-Cuban, right? And so now we're seeing that rise of, you know, yes, you can be mixed. Yes, that is powerful. Yeah, you know, you don't have to say, right? Because I'm sure you heard like, are you Latina enough? Are you Latino enough, right? And especially when you're mixed, mm-hmm. but really just honoring people for who they are, where they come from. And it's a great time for the United States to know, like, we all bring something to the table. And this is a time for us to honor that. I love it because it's not just about us drinking beer and tacos, although that's a plus. Yes. Right. And so sometimes I ask people like, you just need to feed your kids confidence and tacos. Mm-hmm. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, that's it. Like, just, and they're like, they don't have to get straight A's. I'm like, they have confidence. They'll get the straight A's. But really just, you know, sharing our culture, right? And then you just, and who we are, where we come from, our food, our music. And so I played mariachi yesterday. I'm sure my neighbors were like, oh my God, there's a Mexicana in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? And so I'm like, who cares? And just be proud of who you are. And I think it's important for us to, I think more now than ever, show up and show out. Absolutely. Definitely. I love that. I love that. If you could offer a piece of advice for our listeners, what would that be? My recommendation and my advice would be definitely to always make sure you're always a person of character, be non-negotiable about who you are, right? As a person of leadership, so whether you're the janitor or the CEO, making sure you're a good person because that's all that matters. And then be unapologetic about your goals and dreams and be relentless towards that. And my last thing would always be kind to others because you never know what they're going through. And so I think it's very important for us to always remember the humanitarian part and just be kind to people. Like you should like be, know your neighbors and just be kind to them because we are in a pandemic, right? But even without the pandemic, we used to share like sugar, like, hey, can I have a cup of sugar? And that was cool. And now we're like, I don't even know who lives next door. You know, people don't know things like that. And it's scary to me, right? And now we're going more towards virtual. So I'm thinking like, will we ever leave our home then? Right. <laughs> right. And so keep staying connected as human beings. I think that's the most important and take care of each other. Lena, this is incredible. There's just so many gems of great things that you're doing and just the mindset that you have. Question I have, where can listeners get more of Lena Mendoza if they want? What social medias are you active on? Where can people get more of what you're doing? Absolutely. So I'm definitely on Facebook. Instagram and LinkedIn under Lena Mendoza. I think Lena Mendoza MS that's on LinkedIn and LenaMendoza.com. So I do use TikTok, but I think the United States might be banning TikTok. <laughs> here. I use that as an advertising tool. And believe it or not, there's a lot of financial advisors on TikTok. And so they kind of show that, you know, assets over liabilities concept, mm-hmm. right? And real estate portfolios. So I, mean, I think TikTok can be, um, and I think that's how some kids banned, I think the president had somewhere they're using TikTok. Yeah. So Apparently, it's a powerful communication tool. Yeah, so just any one of those platforms, definitely. And then LenaMendoza.com is definitely a great place for them to view kind of the services that I offer and how I help executives advance into those leadership roles and then also the entrepreneurs um, wanting you know, to grow as well. Awesome. And that's Lena Mendoza. That's L-E-E-N-A. So that's how she spells Lena. It's L-E-E-N-A Mendoza, M-E-N-D-O-Z-A. That's Lena Mendoza. So please tap in with her and get some of the good stuff, some more of the good stuff she's sharing. Lena, thank you for coming on the show. It is always a pleasure to chat with you. I'm looking forward to more of the work that you're doing and getting more CEOs and executives of color in those positions as they need to be. Thank you. 
As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly. And until next time, we're continuing to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here. And until next time, 